the bookish, the queer, and the grossly ostentatious. I'm Julie Jester. I am the chaotic bisexual horse and raccoon enthusiast on TikTok known as Plant-Based Bird Girl. And I'm Ellie Rooney. I'm a journalist covering the LGBTQ plus community, an improviser on stage and in life, and a consumer of wine and other fine spirits. We're here to chat about being queer and getting distracted. (laughs) If you're gay, cute. If you're straight, also cute. This podcast is for lovers of mom jeans, bookworms, book birds, and generally those with the energy of a crow finding a shiny thing and getting a little too excited about it. Um, Are you okay? (laughs) No, I think that that's a really, really apt way to especially describe this episode. For listeners, this is actually take two. Last take, I forgot how to read. (laughs) So we're trying it again. It's all going really well. Um... Ellie's handling herself with great aplomb. And Thank that's a you. word that I'm not even sure if I used correctly. I No, you used it correctly. I oh, mean, I don't, yeah. I've never heard it, but we're saying it. On this <laughs> but you know that I used it correctly. She used it correctly. And that's feminism. That is feminism. That is women supporting women. <laughs> uh, yeah, we love it. We love to see it. Ooh, this okay. is the third episode of Liz. Welcome to our third date with Liz. It's, it's a hot little sexy time. We all know Ooh. what happens on the third date. We talk about books. Mm-hmm. Every third date. Every it's, third date. Yeah, it's it's, it's tradition. Um, so before we get started on our little book chatting, we're going to do some gay whispers. That may not have sunk up at all. It, it, I, I can't wait to see the cacophony that comes out on this episode and how our listeners are just going to tank within the first couple of minutes. Um, all right. So would you like to start with your gay whisper or shall I start with my gay whisper? You start with yours. I need a minute to calm down. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Um, so if you're new here, Gay Whispers, we opened up a Jotform secret box for people to put in their queer, sordid stories, all of their secrets. We're looking specifically for queer ones, but you know, we'll take any little juicy pieces, sparkly little gossip. So this was submitted by someone who is a listener. These are all 100% anonymous. People do sometimes put their names on them, but... Even if we said them, how would you know that that is the one that you know? How would you know that that is the real one? You don't. You don't. So this is from Lane P. They use the uh, pronouns he, they. They submitted a sordid story and they wrote, the first time I came out was while I was getting head from another guy. In the middle, I just blurted out, I think I'm bisexual. We still finished, though. You know, they never say there's a perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That is the perfect time. <laughs> Congratulations on coming out, King. Absolute King. They, them, royalty. He, they, King. I think that's really special. So, I mean, if you're using the pronouns he, they, and you were getting head from another man, this is a this is a queer thing that was happening. So were you trying to announce that you think you might also be into women and other genders at the same time? Was the head really bad and that's what caused that? <laughs> or were you just kind of lost in your thoughts up there? 
Uh, yeah. Well, this person will have to write in for clarification. Please let us in on the describe. We would like fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> that is something. So uh, Ellie and I go live on Mondays together on my TikTok to support, promote this, uh, the new episodes, because they do drop on Mondays. I like how I'm promoting the podcast that you're literally listening to right now. But yeah, so Ellie and I did our first live promoting the new episode last week, and we already have a couple of fan fiction writers um, supporting the love between Ellie and I, which to be to be clear, we Ellie and I are not dating. That's not a thing that's happening at the moment. But yes, (laughs) (laughs) but um, we will happily read your fan fiction on the podcast. So if you do have fan fiction of Ellie and I, please send it to Liz is podcasting at gmail.com. Yes. As well as fan art. As well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fan poetry. Fan art. Fan cash. You can also just send us cash. We love fan cash. Well, that's when the the Patreon opens. We'll be looking for all your fan cash. Um, (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. So this next one I'm going to read. Um, The person who sent it in is named Allison. Their pronouns are it slash what question mark. Cool. And the type of submission is this is a question. Okay. Okay. I got the conundrum for you. And it says gots. So that's why I'm reading it in this accent. I'm a guy. I'm a gay. <laughs> I'm a gay. I was born with that stupid Y chromosome and I've always identified as a guy. All right. I'm also married to a woman who claims to be Polly, but gets mad if I show any sign of being anything other than 100% masculine. Boo. We do not like that. Yeah, no, that's not good. My whole life, I wish I was born a girl, but I'm 100% attracted to women. I don't think I'm a trans les because I have way too many masculine tendencies, enough that I couldn't justify transitioning, but just as many, if not more feminine tendencies to the point I freaking named my feminine side. Okay, so Allison is this person's feminine side. Yes, has two names. Okay, love yes. it. I have an inconvenient myriad of mental issues. Welcome to the club. And Mid. I look like a stereotypical trucker or biker. Okay, work. I don't know why I feel the need to classify myself so badly. Maybe to feel included somewhere. Hey, you are included here, Allison. Whether you identify or classify yourself is all the things or none of the things. You are included here. You are a lesbian. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Welcome to your lesbianism. (laughs) Anyway, guys. Oh, (laughs) anyway, guys get the best toys, cars, etc. Women have the best everything else and some toys, too, from what I've seen. So, yeah, I'm jealous, and I hate my face, hence the permanent goatee. Anyway, I guess my question is help? Allison, listen. You, I don't know you, okay? I don't know your deal. I, you're beautiful, okay? You're beautiful. I just, I can, I can tell through the text on the screen, you're gorgeous, okay? If you want the goatee, keep the goatee. If the goatee's holding you back, let her go, okay? Let her go. On this podcast, we do not hold on to goatees that hold us back. Only the goatees that propel us forward. Yes. We look for <laughs> helicopter goatees and nothing yes. else. Nothing else. And um, you're welcome here, all right? Yes. You do identify what you want to be. If you don't want to identify, don't. If you want to use the pronouns, it, what, you do that, okay? We, in this podcast, we just believe that 
we all identify just as good human beings and that's I, really yeah. the bottom line and here's 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 what else i'll say allison do i need to do i need to speak in the here's what else think, i'll say yeah i think you do <laughs> we don't even know if allison's from new york no we don't um <laughs> but this is what allison's getting listen here Allie. can i call you Allie? <laughs> Something that I'm seeing even in your writing is that you're stuck in this very binary way of looking at gender, even as someone who wants to explore multiple sides of gender. You know, you're talking about the masculine side and the feminine side, but there's whole this whole this whole gray area side that is this grand, beautiful thing for you to explore. And that so many people are exploring. All you have to do is go on the internet. I'm getting a little bit New Jersey, I think. <laughs> a little bit. I'm like sinking slowly into New Jersey. <laughs> Holla at where I was born. But yeah, I would challenge you um, not to look at it as you only have two options to either remain in your masculine side or embrace your feminine side because. Those are, these are things that can exist together. I am a she, her woman, although I'm not a hundred percent sure that I'm cis, but every once in a while I want to wear a suit. I want to do a couple of little man times. A lot of times in relationship, I will take on these stereotypical masculine feeling. And then other times I'm like, I just want to be a little, little lady princess. And that's so valid. And you don't need to look any singular one way for that to be valid. It's not like you have to be born with the lucky gene of possible androgyny for that to be valid. It is valid whether you look like a trucker or a bisexual raccoon like myself. So that's number one. Number two, the fact that your wife, I believe, um, is so toxically against you expressing any bit of your feminine side is a major red flag major i highly yeah i highly i mean i understand listen relationships are hard and love Mm -hmm. is confusing and sometimes you keep staying with people even when they're not always when other people see that they're not the best decision for you because there are parts of them that you see and you love and you know that better than anyone else. So I'm not going to say like ditch your wife because relationships are a different thing from the inside. But I will say I give you the courage and the bravery to stand up for your feminine side more to stand up for Allison. Allison clearly wants to be heard because she submitted to our little podcast box. She has her own name, for God's sake. She wants to be heard. She's her own poison. (laughs) Um, So I see you. We hear you. We love you. We believe you. We can picture what you look like. We have no idea, but it doesn't matter because you are who you are and you are who you are. Yeah, and also... Going off of, just to piggyback off of that, um, yeah, it's not a two-sided coin. Gender is not a two-sided coin. It's like a, gender is like a, like a sphere, like a, like a sphere (laughs) that is also like invisible sometimes, but then also like wears high heels at other times. Like a gumball machine. And can speak every language. Like a gumball machine. And can also (laughs) speak to animals. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a gumball machine. And, uh, yeah, so we don't need to be talking about the whole binary situation, you know? But we're, we're, it sounds like you are beyond that, and that's beautiful, and that's great. Um, Like a gumball machine. Like a gumball machine. (laughs) So get down with your bad self, Allison, and uh, you're welcome here. Please feel free to reach out to us again if... 
that didn't make any sense. I got a little, I got a little crazy with the gumball machine, but I think, I think I made myself perfectly clear. Oh yeah, we made ourselves perfectly clear. Um, what a beautiful question to have asked before leading into our book talk, because this book is all about having two sides of yourself and one being the hidden one, because the public sees what it wants to see. And this relates to queerness, and this relates to all aspects of identity. And what we are talking about is the amazing novel, The Seven Husbands, <laughs> Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> Great work, Ellie. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So Ellie and I read this book a couple weeks ago. Uh, We absolutely loved it. We're very horny for it. It was a very, very, very good book. Um, Mm -hmm. Very emotional. I mean, it. so just to give you a little background on what this book is about, this this story tells the tale of a young Cuban girl who was born in the Bronx, New York. She is pretty poor. She has an abusive father. Her mother ends up dying and all that she wants is to escape New- the grit and grime and grind of New York City. And she's lucky because she has incredible beauty and a smart wit on her side. So, she meets this guy named Ernie, and she, she hears that he's going to Los Angeles. So she hitches her wagon to him, basically kind of uses him to make her way to L.A., uh, ditches him. And then for the rest of the story, we just hear her journey of, obviously, uh, six additional husbands um, and you know her life during the golden age of film. And she's kind of like a Marilyn Monroe type character is like kind of like the closest like real life person I would uh, akin her to. And before we continue, if this isn't obvious, this entire conversation will have spoilers. We will be talking about every piece of the book. (laughs) Spoiler alert. This is probably the biggest one. Um, uh, Throughout her years with her seven different husbands, uh, she has one true love of her life. And her name is Celia St. James. She she met her as a co-star in a movie they're working on. And they have this years long love affair. And she's with all these men. But really, the whole time, she just wishes she could be with Celia. But during this time, she feels the world really wasn't ready for it. Um, so we hear her whole story, how her acting career progresses and has these ups and downs, but also how her love for the spotlight and fame and success also hinders uh, progress with her and Celia. Um, and at the same time, so we go back and forth from the past to the future, and we have a, a journalist named Monique who is actually interviewing the current day Evelyn Hugo because she wants a story written about her life. So the reason why we're getting this story is basically because present day Evelyn Hugo is regaling this journalist Monique with it because she wants her to write her biography. So that's just a quick little little rundown and we'll get a little bit more into the nitty gritty moving forward. A little blurb. A little blurb. blurb. So yes, Ellie, uh, Ellie listened to this book on audio. I read it with my eyeballs and we both had an excellent time. Um, so getting into it, I looked at some of the book club questions in the back of the book, and I also added my own little questions to them, picked and choose, thought about some things. But the first thing I would love to start off with, of the seven husbands, and I will name those seven husbands now, there is poor Ernie Diaz, goddamn Don Adler, gullible Mick Riva, I think if that's how you say his name, the clever Rex North, the brilliant, kind-hearted, and tortured Harry Cameron... And then also Max Gerard and, wait, disappointing Max Gerard and the agreeable Robert Jamison. 
of these husbands, who was your favorite? Who surprised you the most? And then this is a question that I added from this. Which one would you marry? Poor Ernie Diaz was someone that she slept with to get a ride to Hollywood. Um, And while we think, wow, you slept with someone to get a ride, let the record show she was 15 years old, realized she was getting preyed on by men constantly and decided she would use this to her advantage to escape a abusive thing with her father. Um, Which brings me to this quote. I mean, I'll talk about it later, but no one is just a victim or a victor. Everyone is somewhere in between. People who go around casting themselves as one or the other are not only kidding themselves, but they're also painfully unoriginal. And that's just another one of those uh, slay quotes from Evelyn that she just gives us throughout this entire book. Every page is like filled with so much wisdom. Um, It's kind of shocking. But anyway, that is Ernie Diaz. Poor Poor Ernie Diaz. So then we get to goddamn Don Adler. He is Hollywood money. He's a young, young up and comer who comes from a solid, solid family. And he wants to have the hot piece of candy on his shoulder, which is at this point, Evelyn Hugo, who has reinvented herself, gone blonde. Um, hid her Cubanness, her Cuban identity from the world so she could be a mu- movie star. Right. Her her name was actually Evelyn Herrera. Yes. But she changed it to Evelyn Hugo to uh, whitewash herself a bit because that was during this time in Hollywood. It was a lot harder to break into the industry as a person of color. Yes. So, Evelyn, uh, Don Adler is one of three people in this entire book that Evelyn actually has what we consider true, real feelings for. Um, she and Evelyn get together, uh, or not she and Evelyn, Don and Evelyn get together they really like each other they're having a fun little sexy time think your first like really lovely romance when you're young and in love uh but then after they get married and after some of don adler's movies start to flop he takes this all out on evelyn he uh hits her beats her it gets worse and worse and worse and he needs to uh he needs to be gotten gotten rid of yeah we're not a fan of him so yeah Evelyn gets her way out of this thing with Don Adler. And at this point, there is a lot of uh, a lot going on with Miss Celia St. James. She stays with Celia St. James, this other actress who uh, is the one true love of her life. They are at a concert of the rock star Mick Riva, who has previously said that he would love nothing more than a date with Miss Evelyn Hugo. Evelyn Hugo is at this concert. She loses herself in the moment, reaches to touch Celia's hand and hold Celia's hand, realizes a bunch of women behind her saw this. And so she tricks Mike Mick Riva into marrying her in this like Las Vegas quickie wedding. And this whole scene is absolutely incredible because you see how Evelyn is playing Mick, but in a way that makes Mick think he's playing Evelyn in a way that, yeah, that in a way that she pretends like she will never sleep with anyone till marriage. And so she makes it so that Mick is almost like irresistibly hot for Evelyn and will do anything to sleep with her. And so she uses that to get marriage out of him, which causes a headline in marriage, which erases any idea that Celia she is might, with. Yeah. Yeah. That she is might with Evelyn. have an attraction to, to Celia. Yes. So then we get and they, into- and they get their uh, they get annulled literally the next day. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's a very it's not a quick, lasting quick thing. thing. It's literally just a publicity stunt to get uh, people's offer back for potentially spending it is. too and much time with Celia. So then we. Ha- we have the 
clever Rex North, they get married essentially both to keep up their um, to keep up their appearances and then also because they are in a movie together and they want it to sell well. So those two get married. They both. This is the first time that Evelyn has married someone and he knows that this is not a real marriage. He knows that they are not in love. He's not aiming to make they don't I don't think they ever even have a romantic moment together. He wants one at some point, but he he she denies him and he's good with that unlike some of these others and she's letting she he's off philandering and sleeping with a whole bunch of women they have an under an understanding because basically um when she gets together with mick reva the previous guy they they do have sex one time and she actually ends up getting pregnant um celia finds out about this is absolutely heartbroken so this ends temporarily their relationship so when she goes into this new relationship with rex she basically swears herself to celibacy because she wants to only if she the only person she'll be with moving forward now is celia because she wants to prove her loyalty to her and her how sorry she feels for sleeping with uh mick and on the news of that that baby um harry cameron who is her best friend in hollywood met her the day that uh she kind of arrived in hollywood all of that takes her down to i think is it mexico to get an abortion Somewhere they drive, they drive down. She gets an abortion. That baby is no longer a, a character, never was in the book. Um, which brings us to the brilliant, kind-hearted, tortured Harry Cameron, which is uh, another gay man of Hollywood. She is a bisexual woman of Hollywood, but she's in love with Celia St. James. All she wants to see is Celia. She and Celia are seeing each other. Uh, Harry Cameron is seeing men, but these two get married because they both want kids. And this is actually something that has historically happened a lot. A gay man and a lesbian or bisexual or just non-straight woman will get together, get married and have kids together and live completely separate lives, but keep up appearances with, um, with a child. And I would love to to do a whole episode on some some stories of that because I, I have heard about it in the in queer history. Mm-hmm. So that is Harry Cameron. Why she leaves Harry is because Max Gerard comes in swinging, and Max Gerard is a director that she has had uh, over the past couple of projects, and he brought he has brought out the best work from her over her career. And he says, I'm in love with you. They share a really magical night together. And that's totally fine because she and Harry were never actually like love married, except for love in a friendship way. Um, And Max says, I want to marry you. Leave Harry. I know what Harry is. I know what this all of this is. And so then she decides, you know what? I do want to be married for love. I'm going to get with Max. Harry's like, yeah, absolutely. Go live your life. So she goes. She goes and gets married to Max and he is titled the disappointing Max Gerard because essentially uh, Max is in love with the facade that Evelyn has put out into the world and not a true real human being. One of the most vivid, I think, scenes from the book for me was after their wedding night, them waking up in the bed together. And she talks about how her teeth were like crusty and her hair was kind of disheveled. And Mm -hmm. he was suddenly so no longer interested. Yeah. Um, The magic wasn't there for him anymore. Exactly. Because he was in love with the girl on a movie poster and Mm -hmm. and not a real life human being, which makes sense as someone who was her director um, to think that she's just this ultra magical being when you only see her on set and she's just creating amazing art. And then, you know, guess what? All artists are people. So right. that is the disappointing Max Gerard. And then we get to the agreeable Robert Jamison, who is actually Celia St. James's older brother. Celia, uh, she and Celia spend out the rest of Celia's days together. Celia is very, very, very sick. 
which is so upsetting and she dies. But and at the time she gets married to Robert to hold up appearances to make sense as to why she is hanging out with Celia all of the time, living in a house together. It's, oh, it's Evelyn and Robert's house. No, it's Celia and Evelyn's house. And Robert is just sort of a sort of a rake. He's uh, he's out with every with all these other girls. Meanwhile, uh, they are also all raising um, Harry and Evelyn's child, which they had uh, because they both wanted children. So back to our question of these seven husbands. Now that we have gone through all of them, who is your favorite? My favorite? I mean, Harry, obviously. Like, he's- Well, I mean, Harry's a favorite character, but in terms of like... I don't know. I mean, yeah. The Harry, husband? I still yeah. think Harry's my favorite husband. Like, I mean... He's so lovely. He treats her the best. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I think it all comes down to, like, the treatment. Like, I don't know. I liked Rex okay. You know, like, I... I, I, I was that gonna he, like, say, I, would, he I think I would ma- marry Rex North. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I would marry the Rex North. Like... Because he also sounds like he was, like, really good looking and he, like, respected her boundaries, which I like. <laughs> right. But, like, I think Harry would probably make, like, the best, like, life partner. He just seems so kind. And yeah. had her back the whole time. Who would be your favorite husband? I mean, Harry was my favorite husband. And also Harry brings up this beautiful thing that's woven throughout the book is, is uh, who do you stay with in terms of life partner versus love? Because there were people that um, she liked in a passionate way and that the other characters like in a passionate way are journalist Monique Grant and her parents. But even Monique's mom, who she's talking to in and out in between these interviews with Evelyn, she, her mom says that she wasn't sure that she married Monique's dad as like a passion thing. It was just her best friend. It was who who she wanted to uh, talk to at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And another spoiler alert <laughs> is I'm going to drop the big one. The big spoiler alert. Yeah. So Monique, who's this journalist who is uh being regaled with Evelyn's life. Uh, she has her own her own shit going on. So as she is writing this book for Evelyn, um, she and her husband had just gotten split up, so she's mourning the loss of that relationship. And um, her father had died when she was very young. So throughout the book, you kind of hear about how important her relationship with her father was. And you just, that's a reoccurring theme. So you end up actually finding later in the book. So Henry, um, like the sweet, amazing gay husband, <laughs> um, unfortunately ends up passing away in a car accident. And um, Evelyn actually happens upon the car accident right after it happened. Um, they weren't together at this point, but she sees this car is messed up and there's Henry in the front seat and there's a man sitting next to him. Um, and she knows she's been seeing a man who he's really into. And yeah, that is been, this man in the front seat. Yes. Um, it's also notable that he's a black man. So that also would have potentially been salacious at the time. I mean, twice as salacious, two men together also an interracial couple wild Um, so she sees this happening and she's like okay we've got to do some damage control because this if harry survives this will damage his career if he doesn't survive this will tarnish his legacy so she's in uh, a car and she has a driver at this point she has the driver of her car uh 
she has swap the, the bodies. Yeah, swap the bodies. So the guy in the passenger seat, she is now put in the driver's seat, and then they take Harry to the hospital. Um, that man in the front seat um, was actually Monique's father. Um, that's the whole reason why Evelyn has contacted specifically her to be the one to write her book. Because um, almost like a kind of like a real an apology. I mean, who can apologize for that? Because Evelyn or uh, Monique grew up her whole life thinking her dad died in this drunk driving accident, um, and he didn't. He wasn't the one driving. Um, so it's kind of this like ultimate full circle moment that really it's like these two traumas because both of these women or at the time, you know, Monique was a girl, but both of these people lost the men that were most important in their lives at the same time. Um, and they are eventually brought back together because of that shared tragedy. Yes. Which is that part just, it just oh blow, it God. blows <laughs> like, you up. Oh. oh my God. It killed me. I just, yeah. That yeah. Was well, it's lot. interesting because she, Evelyn says that she is, giving this story because everyone that is involved in it has now passed. Harry is dead. Celia is dead. All of the other famous people are dead. So all of the secrets that she has lived with and kept, it's now, this is her chance for them to all come out. But the one person who is still alive that her biggest secret affects is Monique Grant, who just so happens to be a journalist. So it's this really interesting thing about, about who you gift your truth to and who the truth is owed to because essentially Evelyn gives this story to Monique and it is up to Monique to decide if she wants this on her dad, if she wants this story out in the world. It is basically her story now um, in terms of in terms of who gets to know it and who gets to see it and who gets to tell it because it is her life, her living life that will have be affected the most by knowing the fact that her dad was a potentially bisexual, potentially gay man who didn't die in a car accident. So what I, what I, yeah, it's what I really loved about this book, obviously that it's queer and which is why we <laughs> chose it for our book club, but just that there, every single page, there is so much to think about. There is so, it is, it is dense in a really salacious way. Like it's mm -hmm. sexy dense. It's the, it's the kind of thing that you just want to sit there with it and think about it and toss it over in your head. Um, so I brought some, some quotes here. We get a lot of Evelyn wisdom basically. Um, and so one of the ones that the book club brought up was Evelyn saying, never let anyone make you feel ordinary. And then I sort of added underneath that Evelyn also saying, I'm under absolutely no obligation to make sense to you and don't ignore half of me so you can put me in a box, which is what Evelyn says about um, when Monique recognizes that Celia is the love of her life. She says, so you want to come out as a gay woman with this story? And she says, were you not listening to the story of Don Adler? I told you I had grand sexual experiences with him. Do you think that was all a lie now that I've told you that the love of my life was Celia St. James? Don't ignore the half of me that was very into a man at one point. Um just to fit your story, which goes so much into if, if you listen to the bisexual manifesto episode, this idea that you can only be one thing and you can only 
that whatever your whatever your actions are right now is what your truth is, which is not true. And we talk about identity a lot on this podcast and how if it's all in your feeling and in your brain, and it has so much less to do with how the world sees you, because the world, as we see in this book, tends to see what they want, tends to see what you will tell them. All of these husbands that she quote unquote tricked into marrying her and all of these headlines that she forced to happen just to save herself were because she presented a truth that the public would rather believe. They would rather believe this fabulous woman had seven husbands and was this like weird tortured love lady than to see that what was right in front of them which was her weird tortured love lady is my (laughs) next band name by the way (laughs) weird tortured love lady was to see nobody wanted to see what was right in front of them which was the evident clear queerness and clear um clear pure genuine love between her and celia st james and and she also mentions throughout the book like she's like if people would have just looked a little harder it was pretty obvious (laughs) she's like we were literally together all the time but she's like it's not the narrative people wanted it didn't fit with their picture of me as this um you know male sex symbol of what femininity looks like you know because she was very much put in the male gaze yes but she's like she's like no i'm also liked by the female gaze and that means uh gays in both both terms that one um yeah so she's like people are just willingly naive sometimes when it comes to queer people she's like it, it just wasn't that hard to see but it was not what everyone wanted to see so they didn't um that's just you know ongoing throughout the book is you know but the media will also portray the media oh, i hate the media um <laughs> will portray uh people and and weave these stories if it if it fits the narrative that they would like to have so the lesson is look a little harder for the gayness all around you it's everywhere yes it's everywhere um but that that brings me to another thing i wanted to talk about which like trigger warning um about just with sexual i guess harassment is Mm -hmm. the right word for this but that in the beginning and this was kind of the page that really took me the hell down was when evelyn started develop she started talking about her child and how when she started developing, suddenly she realized all of these men were looking at her all the time. It, it never felt like she... And so she found her own empowerment through this, being both the victor and the victim, by using what she knew they wanted to get what she wanted. But I had never seen a book quite get it right like this, what it feels like to grow up pretty or to grow up and be something that people want. I will speak on my own experience. Um, I was, as aforementioned, a little Jesus baby. I wasn't ready for any sexual experiences and I wasn't ready for um, most of the men that came into my life around when I was 14, 15, 16 and those ages. And I remember going to high school and feeling like I had been thrown to wolves because of the way that people viewed me um, and wanted to view me. So many people, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a look in my eye or something in the way I walked, but they thought that something very sexy was going on underneath. Um, that I had some like secret, secret, freaky, whatever side. And maybe I do these days. That's up to me. That's my own secret. That's my victorious secret. But the, uh, the, the fact that everyone will put on you 
what, <laughs> especially for young girls, especially for people born in female bodies that grow up and look somewhat conventionally attractive. It is so hard to navigate this world and you feel so powerless to it because I remember being just like flirted with constantly. And I know that sounds like I'm like, oh, it was so hard. But I just remember I remember being I felt attacked like constantly. I felt like everywhere I went in school, in class, it was always just people wanting to touch me. Like a lot of people would feel me up during class. And that was really also during chapel, um, during church times and all of that. And I was also just, we, we went to a religious school, so we had chapel every day. That's why that was happening. And I, so yeah. And I, and there are times and you can see it now on my TikTok. I now I dress in a corset. I, (laughs) I, have lipstick on. I'm like looking hot at the camera. I use a little sexy voice sometimes and it's been launching my career. And I, it's one of those things that I've been, I sat here and wrestled with it knowing that I spent so much time. I felt so just connected to Evelyn Hugo feeling both tortured by the way you look and empowered by it. And so I just wanted to bring that to the table, which is really, I don't know, deep and dark. Ellie, do you have thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I don't think I grew up all that pretty, so I don't think that I really had the same experience. Um, I also think people might have just been, like, a little afraid of me. Um, mm. <laughs> I was pretty intimidating. Uh, and I also was kind of just, like, a slut in high school and was really okay with that. <laughs> um, Which valid. Absolutely valid. So, like, different different strokes for different folks. Um, I'm so sorry you had to, like, go through that. Like, what a shitty way to feel um but i i the thing that like i connected with her the most actually and maybe this is just telling about the kind of person i am is uh she was really okay with um using people (laughs) and i would say i'm okay with using people but I think especially as a woman and like all the people she was using for the most part were men and like to reach the next level of success, get the right connections, networks. And like, to me, I'm like, what a girl boss. Like, I (laughs) I just thought that was so amazing. Like, and it is, it's like kind of, you know, like victor and victim situations like you basically like using the abuser actually as a mecha mechanism to reach success so it's like turning that relationship backwards so i think we are kind of relating to similar parts of her but like i was just like especially during this time obviously this isn't a real story but like during this time in hollywood i mean women were notoriously harassed paid so much less taken advantage of by studios and i love that so much of the story is she actually like uses men as a means to reach to the top and i'm like when she yeah when she (laughs) lands in hollywood and she gets over to a a film studio uh she hears this she she knows this rumor that uh the man who runs the studio really has a thing for giving head to underage girls so mm-hmm. she dresses up like 
a little more a little more young girly than usual and mm-hmm. seduces him, receives cunnilingus from this disgusting ass man and gets her yeah. first part in a movie. And it's one of those things to think about. Um, yes, she is using him, but isn't he using her as well? Um, and so, yeah, that this really takes us nicely into the final question that I have before we get into casting the movie of all of this. On page 146, Monique says, I have to Evelyn Hugo, Evelyn Hugo. What does it mean? And this is this is straight out of the book club. I'm not taking credit for this uh, or the book club in the back of the book. I'm not taking credit for this question. What does it mean to Evelyn Hugo someone? And can you think of a time when you might be tempted to Evelyn Hugo? And I got to be honest, Evelyn Hugo, (laughs) her her thesis is we use people all the time. Almost every interaction we have with someone, it can be genuine and it can be pure and that can all exist. But everyone, lots of people are using each other all of the time, whether it is a light, light thing that is happening or a deep, dark thing that is happening. Julie and I are using each other. Yes. (laughs) Like we haven't talked in years, but I know how to make a podcast and she has a lot of followers on TikTok and we're both funny hot women like well, right. yes no. it's, so you it's not always evil intent it can be mutually beneficial absolutely well that's exactly right is, is yeah. ellie came to me and i have almost half a million followers on tiktok and i looked at so her crazy. and she can write me into uh, nbc out and can write me <laughs> and can bring on guest stars from the drag world she has her own big value to her and so the question is do you keep just when you are a successful person do you keep just making handshakes and and finding ways to be more and more valuable, more and more trades, essentially? I mean, and it yeah, gets- no, exactly, exactly. And like, I wouldn't say you and I are Evelyn, Evelyn Hugoing each other, no. or maybe we are, and maybe that's but like no, the highest compliment ever. <laughs> no, but that is that's the thing, though. Is I think we want we want to place wicked judgment on. A woman for using someone, especially in the case where sex is involved, but especially at the time of old Hollywood, like you were saying, what other one, what other choice did she have? She saw the system and how it worked and said, here's how I'm going to play the game of that the system has given me. This is the environment I was given. And we want to believe so hard that the world is better and can be better. And I do believe that everyone can be better and that the world could be better. But at the same time, to get to better, sometimes you have to march through shit. Uh, And that's... And if that ain't the truth, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I... So... So your question is like what it is, what it is to Evelyn Hugo. What someone. it means to Evelyn Hugo, someone, and then uh, is it okay to Evelyn Hugo, someone? Is a question I will add. And can you think of a time when you would be tempted to Evelyn Hugo? Which here's it's so funny the way this question is phrased that you might be tempted to Evelyn Hugo. It's saying the word temptation already brings up the idea of sin, like that right. that Evelyn, you know, that Evelyn Hugo. Like that you shouldn't do it. Like yes. that it's kind of like a taboo thing to think about doing. Yes, precisely. And but at the same time, I can't think of a time in that book where she I mean, I, I, obviously, if you can think of one, please bring it up where she used someone that wasn't also in their mind using her. Right. Uh, no. Well, and then in no. that case, <laughs> in that case, it's basically you have to choose between the victim and the victor, quote unquote. Do you if you didn't want to be using someone who's already using you, then you're just signing up for the, she would be signing herself up for victimhood. And obviously, there are cases where you can't 
there's no way for you to use the other person back. Um, and I'm not saying that like victims always have the choice to make the victor their victim. Obviously right. not. Right. Well, and I would, I would say that like all of the people who she was using for the most part to me, I think it's really hard, especially like the more toxic, icky, gross men. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never going to be the victim. Like they're to me, I don't, I have no sympathy for mm. someone who would, you know, committed sexual act on an underage person. Like, yes, she was technically using him, but I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, you're, but you're also a victim of, you know, her yeah. using you. I'm like, fuck no. you. <laughs> like, no, absolutely. Um, I, so I, I mean, yeah, I think to Evelyn Hugo, someone is just to, uh, Oh, I think it is. I think it's to dynamically network. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like using like business talk. Dynamically network. I'm like putting on my resume. I'm like, I'm really good at Evelyn Hugoing people. Um, um really, I'm just, I'm a solid Evelyn Hugo. You're yeah. Sort of an no. ENFP. I'm an Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, what are you? I am an ENFP. Yeah, ENFP. Me too. <gasps> Girl, ENFPs are always the most fun to talk to. We're the part. I would say that ENFPs are kind of like the Sagittariuses of the Myers-Briggs. 100%, which is so funny because you're a Sagittarius sun and I'm a Sagittarius moon. I know. I'm Shaboom. a Sagittarius sun and then Leo Leo. What about you? Sag Sun, Virgo, no, Virgo Sun, Sag Moon, Capricorn Rising. The rest of my chart is Leo. So we've got to do a whole episode like just exploring our zodiac oh, girl, signs. I have so much to say about astrology all the fucking time. Um, oh, okay, I love that. I love that so much. Sorry for that tangent. I'm so glad you all were here for it. <laughs> that, hey, that was honestly of all of our ADHD podcasting. That, that was, was the, good. That was yeah. the first tangent in a while. Yeah, yeah. We've been really. I we've think been it's really we're both good. Kind of like in school mode. They were like books, smart books. things. Yes, we're gonna do smart things. Precisely. Um, but anyway, um, so so with 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 what it means to be an Evelyn Hugo, with what it means to Evelyn Hugo, the kind of like thesis statement I wrote, if I were writing my five paragraph essay on this, is. Uh, to Evelyn Hugo, someone is to present a false truth in hopes of making a different truth. Well, that's a really good, hot way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and we see this in the book when she presents herself as a white woman and not Cuban, when she presents herself as a straight woman and not bisexual. And she does though, she presents those truths to protect her other truth, which is living her bisexual life, um, living her life with Celia St. James. And and when she presents to Max Gerard, not Max Gerard, Mick Riva, the rock star who she tricks into sleeping or she tricks into marrying, but he thinks he's tricking her into sleeping with him. Everyone thinks they're tricking everyone. She presents this reality that she is a one very innocent, won't sleep till marriage girl. And two, uh, just a hopeless being that when it's time for him to annul her, she pretends to be like really, really upset and angry with him just to make him feel that truth. When meanwhile, she was making this half truth. She was making this entire lie to protect and to gain success in her other truth, which was protecting, once again, her relationship with Celia St. James. And the same goes for her career and it goes for her relationships. And then I think it's so interesting for her to to really bite back at Monique in the story where she when she when she says, don't just believe half of me to put me in a box or that quote she says where she really sternly says that to Monique when it's like, girl, Evelyn, that's what you've been doing to yourself your whole life. 
which is why it must be so important for her to get that across to Monique. But at the same time, Evelyn, you done been doing that your whole life to yourself. You done done been doing that, girl. Julie, you're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I should have come more prepared. No. But I didn't. You you, also read the book like a month ago. You listened to the book. You listened to the book. And you can't annotate a podcast or an audiobook. So, no. And I. Whatever. Um. I oh oh and I totally would Evelyn Hugo someone in most scenarios. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, okay. So if, if that you is your to... definition, if that's your definition of Evelyn Hugo, it's to present it's presenting a false truth in order to what was it to make another truth it's truth to protect or your own truth to protect it right. or so yeah. I wouldn't say that we are Evelyn Hugoing each other because I no. think we're both very honest in what our goals were yeah. and. My truth is I like you and I like podcasting. I, yeah, I like you too. <laughs> um, but like I totally would in like a job scenario, trying to get a role, yeah, networking. Well, so my, my whole resume is an Evelyn Hugo situation. I well, well so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think a a quick reader, a reader. I, well, I'm not going to say a dumb reader or a or a non smart. Oh, hello. <laughs> no, I'm saying like someone. Okay, call me out here. No, <laughs> someone who like read this book and 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 was more paying a lot of level. attention. Whatever, whatever. I'm not no because I'm not going to say they're not smart. I'm not going to say anything like that. Somebody who read this book and took a quick, basic look at it would think that to Evelyn Hugo, someone is to sleep with someone to get what you want. And I don't think that's what Evelyn Hugoing someone is. And that's what I that's what I think is a half. That's what I think is putting her in a box. That's what I think is saying she's only gay or only straight is to say that only that action was sleeping with someone to get what she wants, because that is on paper what she did. But what she did in her entire life is presented a false reality to 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 get herself into a reality she wanted to be in and that wasn't just sleeping someone with someone that was also dyeing her hair that was also all of these other things that she did that was for also her like career her stop speaking spanish you know like yeah it's it's so much about who she when they corrected her accent and, and all of right. that all that all that um yeah well <laughs> thank you i'm just like marveling at your intelligence I'm oh my like, god <laughs> like whoa i've never thought of it that way it's been so long since i've thought like critically about things i oh my god i love critical thinking me then anyway um so do we want do we want to cast yeah let's cast this movie it's time for this movie to be cast, and Ellie and I have been asked for whatever freaking reason to be the casting directors. So we're going to present to you who we think should be playing these roles. Um, do you want to start with the first husband, or, or what, what if have I just you? cast the whole thing as different Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> Please, like I'm like the first one is like the Count. <laughs> Oh my god. Evelyn is obviously Miss Piggy. <laughs> yes. I mean, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Okay. Um okay, so wait, so we want to start with the first husband who is who's Ernie. Poor right? Ernie Diaz, yes. Okay. 
I went with Tony Revolori, who he is in um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Like, he plays Zero in Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm looking him up. Oh, yeah. He looks sweet. I think he would do a good job. I know, obviously. But also not a great guy. I just really like him as an actor. And age-wise, it makes sense. Because I think, like, he's supposed to be pretty young at that point. Um, And he's, like, such a versatile actor. Like, he, I just think he could, I think he'd do a pretty good job. For sure, for sure. I I put in John Leguizamo. <laughs> Wait, John um, Legs of Lasagna. John, <laughs> yeah, John Legs of Lasagna. Legs John Leg. Oh, that was a better casting. <laughs> I well, so I also thought because if we're doing this like also in in the time right now that he would be kind of an older pick for someone to marry a 15 slash 16 year old um which is what happens with evelyn and i would really love for that to be for that to be known that this person willingly married a minor and but in the thing wasn't in the book he was like 22 i think but if we're casting it where we want it to be more like he's even grosser so he's like maybe for i no i i drive with that i i maybe totally but also agree. i wouldn't i i think if i i think i wouldn't especially with a book like this i wouldn't want to ruin the author's vision or sensationalize for the sake of the story because the whole point is about not sensationalizing um or or not not sensationalizing you know what? but you know who should play him is the guy who played rico on hannah montana <laughs> What is his name? Oh my god. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Let's see. Moira Cyrus. Yeah. Yes. yes. That's a yeah. good one. That's 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 who it should be. Yeah. I Moises think that's a good middle ground. Wow. Um, okay. Next husband is, is that damn damn Don Ad- damn Don Adler. Goddamn Don Adler. I actually had a lot of trouble with this one. I, I'm interested in who you think. I said Jonathan Bailey, who is Anthony in Bridgerton. Jonathan John. I always, I'm so bad with like actors' names. Oh, I'm like, so. T- I, know- I had to like look up. I literally had to Google. Male actors in like twenties, male actors in thirties. I, I did that too. <laughs> I did that too. Yeah, this is a really this is a good looking guy. I've never seen Bridgerton because I don't believe in period dramas. They are too hard for me. <laughs> Bridgerton's not a hard period drama though. Okay, Bridgerton. I've, I've heard it's great. I just am too ADD. Like if an episode of something is longer than twenty minutes, that's goodbye. real. Bridgerton. Um, I feel like Bridgerton is almost. Like Hamilton esque in that it has a modern feel to it, in addition to a um, past feel. Yeah, um, but there's no singing and dancing in it, is there? Is it a no, musical? No, Bridgerton. Okay. No, it's a musical. I could get on board, but well, I... there is the unofficial Bridgerton musical that was on TikTok, but that's a whole other thing. Wait, separate episode. They won a Grammy for it. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, Just a couple I of girlies. Uh, Zac Efron. For Don Adler? Yeah. Okay, wait, I put Zac Efron for the next one. For the rock star Mick Riva. Oh, really? I put Harry Styles. <laughs> I like that. Or uh, if Zayn if Zane Malik ever wanted to get into acting, acting, I could see him for Mick Where Riva. Where did he go? Like, what, um, is, what has he been up to? I don't, I don't know. Miss him. Hope he's I, well. Mi- hope, he's, hope you're doing good, Zane. I, I think the thing, I think Zac Efron's, like, actually a pretty good actor. Yeah, he's um, I think he's actually a really good actor. 
I do not think Harry Styles is a good actor. I just saw him <laughs> in Don't Worry, Darling. I haven't seen Don't Worry, Darling yet. I, I mean, he's. I feel like people made it out for him. He was like horrible in it. I don't think he was horrible. Um, I just don't. He was definitely like the weakest. He's not an actor. Like he, he's a. It, that's just not his thing. But I think for this role, it doesn't require like amazing acting. Sure. And I think it'd be fun because Harry Styles is also like a heartthrob musician. Yeah. Um, and he's just pretty to look at. Like, yeah. I, I, think, I think it'd be a fun vignette. But I think Zac Efron, out of the two, could do a pretty good job being like an asshole. And he's like so good looking. And I picture John Adler as like Kendall. Like, level. John Adler. John, what did I say, Ken? You said John Adler. John Adler designs furniture. Correct, I think. They are. They it are Kendalls. Anyway, that's how I. Okay, so that interesting. Interesting. Okay, for our next, we have Rex, right? Yes, the clever Rex North. Okay, who do you have? Adam Driver. Oh, I really like that. You know, I feel like yeah. you know he's got like an interesting look, and he seems at least serious about the craft, which is what Rex North, the craft, the craft. Rex North was. Okay, I do like that. I put Austin Butler. Austin Butler. I need to look up he, faces. He he just played Elvis. Oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Because I thought that they said he was blonde. I could have totally made that up though. I, or maybe that I, was just I, how I was picturing him in my head. Sure. Um, but I, li- I like I like both of those ideas. I think those are both good. I think they both they both fit. Um, okay, the next one is Harry, right? The next one is Harry. I would really want a gay actor to play this role. Um, I actually couldn't cast one for Harry. I literally could not find an actor that I, I, I couldn't. So I'm interested in what. And I think like Netflix might do seven husbands oh, so like shit. I, i'm so excited for that if that does happen but i'm interested in hearing who you cast as him. what if what if netflix comes out with seven husbands and their casting is exactly what we said right here well you heard it here first folks yeah. what if well, they're, no, they're what all, if they steal it from us with both of our choices <laughs> <laughs> oh not the double uh, casting oh no um, okay who, who did you make harry so as always, uh, or as I said when we talked on the phone about this briefly, I kept picturing Cosmo from Singing in the Rain. Uh, so, but he is now way older than Harry would be. Um, so that's young Donald O'Connor. And so then I was trying to think of like who would be like a similar uh, facial expressive, musical theater, sweet faced. But then I would want him to have to like play really tortured, obviously. So I, w- I would want it to look like a really joyful, lovely man, but made up in a way that looks like he's been through the ringer. Okay. So here's what I say. I say this name, but with a lot of with a lot of visual cha- changing, I guess, with a lot of like, you know, the red eye stuff that they use for mm. for crying mm-hmm. and for alcohol on set right, and, the, right. you know, all of that. If he could pull it off, Andrew Rannells. Andrew. Wait, Andrew. Let me see. Oh, yes. If he could be pretty, like, tortured. Because I I don't know. In my head, Harry was, like, handsome, you know? I, I thought he was handsome. I don't know why I pictured him, like, a little larger. Mm. Like... Like a little bit of like a like a beer belly. Maybe that's just how I pictured like old time executives. Sure. But I, I literally couldn't cast it. And For I think, sure. I think if we if 
if we aged him a little bit, that could work. Definitely. And I like, I like that it's a gay actor as well. That one. Yeah. I was, I was so, I I, like spent so much time researching and I was just like, no one seems worthy of this role. Um, No, absolutely. On my, on my, (laughs) on my list, I put Harry, literally me. (laughs) (laughs) You're worthy of the role. We love to see it. Um, But then actually in all serious, like I do want to play Celia St. James. (laughs) Oh, hot. Hot, hot, hot. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So we've got. Oh, 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 oh now we need to do uh, the French. Ruby. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, you yeah. do good at that. Um, that's just one of their hot girlfriends in yeah. Hollywood. Um, okay, so, so now we're doing. We're doing disappointing uh, Max Gerard. Um, I. This is. He was the director who uh, liked the idea of Evelyn and not actual Evelyn. Mm-hmm. We did say in the last episode that we needed to cast one of the husbands as Jeff Goldblum, and I thought this was the only one that <laughs> Jeff Goldblum could do, and people would watch it and not be like, "What the hell?" Jeff Goldblum as a director type who's hot for uh, oh, hot I for the, that. which I think yes. would be really silly. But yeah, in if we are not doing it where one of them has to be Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> I had James Franco. Oh, well done. I did Nat Wolf. Kind of similar oh, vibe. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, or isn't there another Franco brother? Also, there's another Wolf brother. I think there any are. of those. The Naked like, Brothers make- Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout I'm, out to Gen Z. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, who do you have as... Agreeable uh, Robert Jamison. I would he, think that oh, he... About him. He needs to be... A slightly older than he is now for this, but I have Robert Pattinson. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I had Robert Pattinson for a second uh, cast as Rex. So oh, interesting, interesting. We're dealing with a similar pool of people, though. Um, I could definitely see that. I I actually didn't cast him either. I kind of forgot to, but I could definitely <laughs> see that. I was like, he he like he agreeable is totally the right way. He like I just he didn't leave that much of a mark on me. He seemed nice, but okay, yeah, I see that. Um, okay, are we moving on to Evelyn? We I haven't casted Evelyn, but I also I have. <laughs> okay, go go give me your Evelyn. Um, Anna de Armas. Oh, I think she, we talked about this. She just played yes. Marilyn. Yes. Um, yeah. She is also Cuban, and she's gorgeous. Yep. Yeah, like, I, that's perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, looking she, at her now. It's perfect. Seeing her as Marilyn Monroe, like, is what I picture Evelyn looking like. Like, she has, like, you know, the stark, you know, white blonde hair. And then for, do you have one for Celia yet? But did you watch the new Marilyn Monroe movie? I haven't seen it because I've heard it's not good. I've heard it's really bad, and, like, people are... True like kind fans of, of Marilyn are really pissed about it. Well, because yeah, they they take they like they take basically what happens in Evelyn Hugo is they right? they whitewash her entire existence and they that's what I've heard and I'm just like I don't have an interest in no. seeing that. I want to see the real one, right? So I mean I've seen pictures of her and she looks stunning. Obviously she's gorgeous, but yeah I would cast her and she's a great actress. Um, do you have anyone for Celia? I do. So I actually, it's funny because she just played Beth in Little Woman, um, in the real Little Women, which is what Celia St. James does. But Eliza Scandlin. Wait, I have, for her, I have, I don't know how to say her name. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> 
Saoirse Ronan? Yes. <laughs> oh, Saoirse Ronan's a good one. <sighs> wait, That's, wait, wait. Who did you have? Eliza Scanlon. She played uh, in the 2019 Little Women, the most recent one that came out. Well, yeah, like sure, 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 or whatever. <laughs> That's kind of who I was picturing in my head. Um, oh, while. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. No, okay, what's her name? Saoirse Ronan? Yeah, Saoirse Ronan. She was also in The New Little Women, right? She was. She was Joe. Yeah, yeah, that's who I picked. But both, I could see both. I see. I saw if 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 she went red, if she had a redhead. I mean, obviously, if I yeah. was unavailable for this role, of course, um, I think she'd make a good. Sharonin's on standby for Ellie Rudy. Yes. Um, who do you have for Monique? Monique, I said again. This is an actor who needs to be aged first, but uh, Zendaya. Oh, she would have to be aged quite a bit because I think but she's I, supposed to be in like her 30s. But yes. Yeah, it would have to be a well, yeah, either aged up or they make this movie later. But Zendaya just in her like ugliest moments in Euphoria and not I don't mean that Monique's an ugly character. I just mean that she has a big emotional. She is a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, I, th- I really do think Zendaya could do it. I think she could bring it. I was thinking on two very different spectrums. I was thinking maybe zoe kravitz oh sure 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 i considered Uh, her briefly yeah or um octavia butler octavia spencer octavia butler's the author octavia spencer is the actress yes yes octavia spencer i think octavia spencer is just like an amazing actor and she can be yeah she can like play heavy pretty easily you know oh very easily yeah, I could see her. I could see her doing it, and she's like the right age. The only other casting I put so for John Braverman, just for like the, just to get a different. He was Celia St. James's husband that Harry was also seeing. Um, I feel like the football player should just be whoever is a currently queer, openly queer football player. Football player. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be like the the name to get the the a more even a more male audience into the seats. Um, oh, I love that. But like there are there are now a couple of openly gay football players and we are so excited to see it oh yeah i love that that or kermit (laughs) kermit the frog john braverman by kermit the frog we love to see it okay i think we've cast it like really pretty well we did Um, cast this lady do we have anything else for these listeners today listeners listeners lesbians um no get out of here (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer alert if my sound quality is weird i'm recording somewhere different today because of some technical difficulties also within the last five minutes sparky's been crawling around me hopefully it hasn't done anything to the mic but maybe i don't i don't hear anything all right um also when you're in new york i don't wait did we mention on the podcast that you're coming to new york i'm gonna be visiting new york in a couple weeks yeah so uh julie and i will be in the same place and you don't have to do this, okay? But oh. this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. A proposition. If, if we get if we get 55 star reviews, I will get a Liz tattoo. <gasps> yeah! <laughs> if we get 55 star reviews, we will get Liz tattoos. Okay, you're in on it? Okay. I'm in on it. Fuck yeah. Like I literally just want it to be our logo. Like Yeah. And then later, let's say the let's say the podcast flaps. Let's or flaps. It flops. flaps. It flops. It flops. And like my kids are like, well, "Who's Liz?" I'm like, 
this random bisexual horse and I <laughs> <laughs> made this thing called a podcast. Yeah. And they're like, bleep, Lord, what's a podcast? Because they're robots, obviously. <laughs> obviously, because all children in the future <laughs> are going to be robots. Yeah, robots. Um, but, and like, when they're like cremating my body, like the cremators are going to be like, why did this person have a Liz on their body in flames? And they'll be like, ugh, but there's a story behind that. And it's this story. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Um, I think we can get 55 star reviews. 55 star reviews, I think, is doable. Yeah, I'm into it. And, I'm into and it. We'll get we'll get Liz tattoos. We will get Liz tattoos. Okay. Who thought that me and Julie Jester would have matching tattoos? <laughs> me never. This Not- girl that I've known literally since uh, I don't know forever. Since too long. Since t- way too long. Get <laughs> way out of my too long. life. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Stay uh, in my life. I'm having so fun. Evelyn Hugoing each other. It just kind of sounds like we're sleeping together. <laughs> <laughs> Just Which, a little more for the fanfic writers out there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe also, maybe we could have some listeners send in Liz tattoo ideas Ooh, if maybe we're hot, feeling hot, any hot, of those. Um, we, we'll post them on our Instagram that we don't have yet. Not but yet. We will but one maybe day soon. someday soon. <laughs> Um, well, I think that's all we have for you, folks. Yeah. Um, so next week's the Halloween episode. I don't. Okay. I'm so I, sorry. What what accent are we doing? What I, I just want to know. I went what page from on. where you started, which was I think roughly Minnesotan, and yes. I ended somewhere kind of Northern I, Irish. Okay. Okay. That's okay. I'm glad that we're on the last. The other day, I was, um, this is such a gay thing to have happened. I was I was alone on the street, and there's this like group, a kind of creepy group of guys, like kind of following me. Like this was not the gay part. Like, kind of trying to, like, they're like, trying to talk to me, get me to hang out with them. And then this other group of guys came over. Like, it was just four guys, clearly gay. And they're like, hey. And I was like, hey. They're like, do you want to walk with us? And I was like, yes, please. And they're all from Canada. But I was, like, pretty drunk at the time. And I was like, you guys, this Irish accents are so cool. And they're like, okay, we have told you, like, five times now. We are from Toronto. And I was like, okay, I love Ireland. <laughs> So Irish accents have wow. a very, uh, very soft spot in my heart. Okay, um, I love Ireland. Anyway, so sorry for the little uh, shoot off there, but yes, you do you, girly. Next week is the Halloween episode. Um, there will be Halloween esque things. We're still working on what those will be, but I promise they will be fun. They will be hot. We'll be drinking Red, a little witch death, brew. Murder, ghosts, ghouls, and- witches. <laughs> Not murder. One of us will die by the end of the episode. Who will um, it be? Probably Julie. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm most likely to f- be first to die in a horror film, or or most likely, I feel like to also Nancy Wheeler. It. Do you watch Stranger Things? No. And come or- out. No, I don't. I watched the first season, and then I was like, that was a lot. And they were introduce all these new characters, and I love Stranger Things. I guess there's someone now named like Vexa or something. Vecna. Vecna. <laughs> Vecna. <laughs> That's what yeah. I did. I'm pretty hot for Vecna, I'm not gonna lie. Isn't Vecna like a monster? He's a, yeah. Work. <laughs> <laughs> He's a monster who like kinda like sucks your soul out and and crumples your body. Amazing. Cute. Um, oh my god. A guy I know. who can do it all. <laughs> a guy who can do it all. And also the actor who plays him is just like Chef's Kiss pretty. Um Should we cast him? Should Vecna being Ooh, Evelyn, yeah. if if Vecna were well, well Vecna as the monster or Vecna's actor, Vecna's actor. If Vecna's because if Vecna the monster were in uh, Evelyn Hugo, Vecna is a he Vecna would be as Evelyn Hugo. Yes, as. <laughs> 
<laughs> this really changed like the a green dress and like that's what evelyn hugoing someone is just sucking out their soul yeah <laughs> hot Hot. Oh, our ADD is here. It came back. It's because we were in school for a solid hour. We were and then we school, and now I'm like, oh, it's lunch. It's lunch. (laughs) So I would say Vecna's actor could be uh, goddamn Don Adler. He's pretty. He's fresh faced. He's he's young Hollywood. Could be. Anyway. We have told y'all that we were going to stop talking, I think, upwards of three times now. And for that, we apologize. But also, if you've been listening for this long, you clearly <laughs> like hearing us talk for longer. So. Uh, and we can keep going. To you for the bonus. Co- we could keep going. One night, we should do like a fundraiser for our podcast where it's like 24 hours live with yes. Ellie and Julie. Oh, my God. That is what... That is what they play to torture people in some places. It's just us talking. Just us talking. This podcast is actually being sold to the U.S. military as a torture <laughs> device. We're making thousands. And by that, I mean we're not. Please send us money one day. Please. <laughs> anyway, this has been Liz. We've learned so much. We've talked about so much. And we will be talking about even more next week and we'll just keep doing that until we run out of things to talk about which is never so see you all forever uh no this is liz and remember sexiness is a state of mind and i'm ellie rudy and uh becca's washing haven't met him yet but i've heard heard good things yeah heard good things enjoy your days bye